I mean, Jason is a man of does love a thermal uh, a thermal waffle knit. Uh, I was going to That is chief cozy chief cozy boy outfit of Thanksgiving dinner across Thank the you. nation. Thank you. What we do here is go back, 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 back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wheel Rap Podcast. This is conversation amongst friends, sometimes lovers, about college football and lifestyle. You can find us on the internet, www.thewheelroute.com, wheelroutepodcast at gmail.com is the email address. Get the show from Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, the Google Pod Center, Stitcher, um, and other places online. Wheel Route Podcast is the Instagram. Shoot us a DM if you're feeling frisky. Or if you're not feeling frisky, that's okay too. Um, my name is Logan Whitehouse. I am on Twitter at Logo on the Dawn, and coming to you guys from Stewart, Florida, um, where you know just another sunny, hot stretch of days. Uh, we do continue to keep a beady eye on the tropics. You must say that every episode, um, things are things are roiling out there now. But uh, yeah, life is good. Um, we are just about three quarters of the way through this sort of um, half kitchen renovation that we're doing. So really looking forward to being done with that and um, fully going sicko mode on the, uh, the four box on YouTube TV. Who else is here? My name is Jordan Shank. I am still in Las Vegas, Nevada. (laughs) I am on twitter.com at Shank Jordan, still in Las Vegas. So we are still using hotel Wi-Fi. So, listeners, apologize for any hmm. anything short of superior audio quality this week. Um, a little lifestyle update, because this is a lifestyle podcast. I have been traveling, so I have been experiencing rental cars on this trip. Hmm. Uh, the North Dakota leg of my adventure, I received a Chrysler 300S. Um Okay. It wasn't my favorite. Had some had some giddy up though. So there were. Pros no, it and says cons fishing trip like a Chrysler 300. That's right. Yeah, it's that, real that was guy over here. That was my main thing. Was like I don't feel great pulling up to these lakes and <laughs> you know Missouri River pull off parking spots in a Chrysler 300. But it's okay. Um, in Vegas, I had the option to choose from one of several aisles of cars. Uh, and went to a Lexus SUV and then was told that that is a new vehicle and can't leave the state because of the tags it has. Um, I was potentially going to book a round of golf close to a Nevada border. So I switched, I pivoted to a Chrysler Pacifica Limited. The minivan? The minivan. (laughs) And this yeah. this thing kicks so much. I love. Oh, it. dude, I've heard. I have a friend that has one that for his like business, and he raves about it. It is so. It's just so funny. He's got like it's unlimited wild. like like tile samples and stuff inside it, and uh, yeah, yeah. Because all of the seats, I think it's got, I guess it's got two rows or like captain's chairs in the middle and an, a row in the back, but they all fold down to floor level. So oh, wow. it's almost like you have a utility van. If you knock the the two rows of seats down to the ground, which I've done. Did VW you, bus. Did you get a? Did you put an air mattress in there just to have like mega bed set up just in case? Man. No, but that would be uh, that'd be a good possibility for future trips. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah, I, I specifically need Pacifica post twenty twenty two Chrysler Pacifica. It's kind of funny because the Chrysler Pacifica used to be like a crossover okay and then they like they they i guess they nixed the town and country i believe that was the chrysler uh-huh. minivan <laughs> and uh and and i guess advanced to the pacifica to the minivan slot so i don't know if there's any like old pacifica enthusiasts but i recall it was like a uh i don't know like what is what is it called my, my mom drives a, a toyota um oh the avalon no 
No, it's the kind of swooshy, like semi crossover thing. It's nice. I don't know why I'm I'm blanking on the name. I'll get some flack for this, but it, it's fine. Well, it, that's good. Emily and I went out west and we drove around in a Chevy, like Sonic or whatever that like little like the two door like almost smart car looking thing. It wasn't even big enough to hold like just Emily and Logan's two uh, carry uh, not uh, two like check bags. It was insanely small, but so I'm happy for you. Who else is here? Who's that? Who's that man? Uh, my name is Greg. I am also in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Well, I should say also. I wouldn't even listen to Jordan. Jordan's not in Harrisonburg. I'm in Harrisonburg, Virginia. <clears throat> right. Uh, where it's we've gotten like two straight days of thunderstorms here. Uh, I believe we're catching the tail of whatever hurricane came through the coast. I think. Uh, and I've hmm. been. I've been in a, a drug and sickness induced haze for like 48 hours. It's possible to hit us, and I have no idea. Um, fun drugs and sickness, they're separate, right? It was fun drugs. Okay. Uh, wishing made it so. Um, but yeah, we've gotten a lot of rain, and which is good because we desperately needed it. I've heard. I've heard the valley was a little crispy. Um, I got reports from from the uh, the neighborhood pond in Waynesboro, where one intrepid listener, Connor Whitehouse, has indicated that. Uh, the pond is dry and all the fish are just dead and rotting and it stinks really bad. You can't even walk on that side of the neighborhood. So, so good. But hey, that's good fertilizer, you know. That's how Squanto made the corn grow tall. Sure. All right. Um, <laughs> you guys drinking anything tonight? Jordan, I see you sipping something. Jordan's in a robe, everybody. Like, let the, made the listener, that's just right. to paint a picture here, Jordan's coming to us from a luxurious... Just, what, uh, a, hotel room Old set up it looks like it is it a i mean is that a giant bed behind you california uh, king? no sorry it's, it's two queens bad. oh it's two queens okay it's gonna say my positioning makes it look like yes. a, a 2x yes. california king jordan has a suite that is one entire bed of a room right right not unlike his that too, next time i don't like that set up in the back of his chrysler pacifica he's a, currently he's efficiency all through this trip it's great it's always lazy and cozy boy season um, what are you drinking, Jordan? Yeah, I've got another uh, Buffalo Trace and Coke Zero. Beautiful. Love yeah, that. That's great. Jason, what are you on? The Sudafed? Yeah, I'm just uh, I'm just taking Dimetap to the face. Um, <laughs> no, I have my uh, emotional support water bottle with me. Hey, cheers to that. So do I. I've got mine too. So, go team. I did have a, um, a Coors Banquet beer earlier today, though. Ooh. While I was watching um, some NFL football, let me tell you guys, NFL Week One, eh, not great. Pretty, not pretty great. ugly. Pretty ugly. There's some, there's some shenanigans going on out there. We love to see it, uh, but you know, we also love football. All right, um, lovely to have you guys here, uh, Jason. No, no live bullets fired yet. We're, you're preparing mentally to start firing some live bullets. Uh, no live bullets fired on college football. That's great. College football, yeah. Oh, good, good, good clarifier. Mm. Excellent. All right. Um, remember, Jordan and I will tell you, it's all about unit allocation. All right. That's what I hear. That's that's really what it's we all about. We will continue so. to tell you. Right. All right. Well, awkward segue here, but weird pivot. Um, news and notes. Uh, we jump into the games. Um, it appears we have a situation going at Michigan State, which uh, unfortunately is not the first time that uh, we have that that has been an issue at Michigan State in the recent years. Um, head football coach Mel Tucker has been suspended, I think, officially um, at this point uh, amid an ongoing sexual assault alleg- uh, investigation. Uh, the allegations are pretty gross and pretty bad. Maybe sexual harassment, not Sorry. assault. Sexual harassment, not assault, I apologize. Um, and, and yeah, so, I mean, there was, I guess some allegations levied against him that they've been oh no hold on that, that they will yeah go ahead it's basically, it's basically um there is a survivor of sexual assault who has gone around to campuses and spoken about her experience and um you know the the importance of changing the culture and eliminating rape culture and that sort of thing um and uh you know, the investigation is still ongoing, but the accusation is that uh, Mel Tucker uh, 
had a very different idea of their relationship and uh, sexually harassed her against her will several times um, via text and via phone. And um, anyways, yeah, he is currently, I believe, suspended without pay. Um, the uh, sources say that it's basically a placeholder that they have to go through before firing him. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I believe he has coached his last game in East Lansing, deservedly so. Um, sure. Even the, somebody somebody pointed out that even the um, even the stuff that he admits to, and even the stuff that isn't up for dispute, you basically have to fire a coach for. Um, and, and the stuff he's accused for is much much worse. And so, sure. Whatever happens from all this, I believe we've seen the last of Mel Tucker in East Lansing, a place that uh, already has problems uh, with such things. Uh, Correct. Horrifying stuff. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's much else to say. Um, it would appear that uh, this is heading towards uh, an opening. Um, we can probably get into uh, the, the coaching hotboard at, at another time uh, <laughs> if we want to. Uh, it would appear Michigan State has had a, an interesting sort of like influx of cash into the I believe Phoenix Suns owner Matt Ishbia is a uh, a big time booster over there, and as has apparently yeah, has he played has, for Tom Izzo, right? Yes, on the, I think he was on the Mateen Cleaves national championship team. Um, but yeah, anyhow, um, curious. I don't think any of us thought the Tucker huge contract experience was going great. I think it only had been one year, but I don't think you know things really got off to a good start there. He got a big deal and, and all that. And, uh, um, you know, now, so not, not a great look, but, uh, we will, we'll see what happens there and keep it into some football games, guys. You ready? Are we ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. JMU at UVA, the granddaddy of them all. It was at noon. It was a football game. Um, had some, I think there were some high level moments. I actually kind of, uh, I'll just say, like, being completely objective, I think UVA <laughs> could probably positives away from this game, uh, yeah. especially with the quarterback play, how they move the ball on offense, and uh, occasional defensive disruption. Um, it was a very uneven performance, though, I thought. Uh, yeah. for, sort of for, for both teams, but I thought for UVA, for sure. Um, you know, Jamie jumps out to a quick 14 nothing lead in the end zone after really just marching straight down the field as well. And then UVA goes three and out um, after having like a 90 yard run called back for a holding. There was just a lot of like, there was a lot of laundry on the field this game, a lot of holding penalties called. Um, Maybe that contributed to some like how it felt uneven teams ended up getting like kind of behind the sticks a lot. And, you know, that, that leads to boomer bust plays, but I don't know. It was curious. Um, I think Jamie quitted themselves fine. Uh, Jason, I think you're, assessment of JMU being like pretty good was uh was was well put I mean I I wasn't um I think I maybe I'm just I was guarding myself for a beatdown and I thought UVA like stood up pretty well against a team that you know I, I thought was going to be demonstrably you want to go Jordan you want me to uh I'll go I think Virginia like Logan said can take some some pros, some positives away from it. Um, week to week, they improved on the spread side of things. They did not cover against Tennessee. They covered against JMU. So they moved into great team category, right. uh, as college football Twitter will let you know. Um, I think they've found their guy at quarterback moving forward. I say this not having seen an ounce of, of Tennessee gameplay. Um, I'm not going to do that to myself. Apologies to Tony Musket and his family. He's got a great <laughs> quarterback name. Um, I hope he continues to stay ready as Anthony Colandry's backup because uh, AC could stand to put some muscle on, I think. He is definitely a, a freshman in college bo- yes, body Harry. type at this point. Um, yeah, I think Virginia's shortcomings came down to uh, overly conservative play calling when they had the lead in the fourth quarter on offense. It was very vanilla, very bland, 
seemed very much like, let's not lose this game. Let's not create a change of possession and give them momentum. And it was way too easy to see coming. Um, and the offensive line struggled in the fourth quarter as well. JMU's getting pressure only with four guys, which was disappointing to see. Um, so moving forward, uh, as Caroline Darney pointed out on Twitter, you can't really call a ton of plays that are going to take a while to develop and hope to have success, um, which right. shrinks the play da playbook down a little bit. Um, but I am encouraged by what Anthony Calandria could turn into. So we'll see. Yeah, I think I agree with everything you guys said. I think I was I was impressed with UVA. I, JMU had zero answer for Anthony Calandria for 45 minutes of that game. Um, it was driving me a little bit crazy. Uh, the the lack of pressure we were getting for the first three quarters. I don't know if we changed something up in the rain delay or what, but um, yeah, we. We seem to be doing bend, don't break, but against a freshman quarterback. And um, he just picked JMU apart uh, and found plenty of space on, you know, every eight-yard curl route in the entire world and every little in route behind the linebackers um, and, and puts the balls on the money, too. Uh, I think he's really good. He can throw the seam. He likes to throw that seam. So, Loves I mean, he's going to throw some picks because of it, which I think, I mean, he, but, I mean, that was uh... – that's yeah, a confident, he, aggressive throw that looks so nice when it works. That, that took some cojones and got us for 20, 25 yards. Um, I think Tony came out and said that they were going back and Calandria was going to be the backup still, but I'm not 100% on that. Oh, uh, sick. But I think Calandria made it seems, super awkward. It seems like a good decision a coach like him would make. Um, yeah, because he was, he was really good and he moved like – even when we flushed him from the pocket, he threw a run. Yeah, um, he, he did a really good job. I think, I think JMU, and we've been guilty of this in the past, um, pretty famously in some big games of of taking taking the foot off the gas pedal. Um, and I think when we blocked that punt, I, I think JMU did that and um, kind of expected like, oh, okay, let's just keep them in front of us and everything will be fine. And <clears throat> and we did. And and UVA took it to JMU for three quarters. I will freely admit that I think I mean the game obviously changed on um the rain delay. Uh that JMU handled that much better than UVA did by all appearances. Um and I agree this that is also discouraging from, from a UVA state. Reasonable. Um but I um yeah so you know credit to whatever caused that. But I uh, I will say on the flip side of the coin, like that was a very emotional day for UVA's locker room. Certainly. They were they honored, you know, the three uh, past players who were killed in the shooting in November. So to ask them to have to get back up after yeah. getting up and playing most of a game and then having downtime and then have to refind it. Um, yeah is a pretty tall ask of college very, athletes. Very much so. Yeah, but you're also up by 11, and you just need to not let Jamie score the last 12 points of the game, right? I mean. Right, but I think that, like, that emotional component combined with bad play calling of we're going to put the kick gloves on and only you know, <clears throat> drive the speed limit. I, I noticed that, too, was the – Dunk plays weren't coming because the shots just weren't being taken. It was, it was little things and running the ball. And I think, it, despite my frustrations with our past defense, and boy, are there some Sun Belt teams that carve us up. Um, Jamie appears ready and willing to give up some big plays. So. Yeah, we are very, and we don't even tackle that well in the secondary right now. Like there was some horrific angles and wrap ups all over the place in that secondary. Yeah. Well, uh, ACC speed so. will do that. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, I, like I said, being completely, I think there's a lot of good things you can take away. Um, being pessimistic, and uh, I think there's a lot of things that 
continue to plague uh, the, the UVA problem from my point of view. This is my opinion, not my opinion yeah. is not necessarily the opinion of the Wheelroad podcast, but um, offensive play calling is very uneven. Um, <clears throat> it would, I mean, it would appear that like UVA had no plan if they ever found themselves ahead in the game. Um, they played great when they were either behind or like had to, you know, it, it was, or it was a game and then they got up by 12 and it was just completely in the shell. And, and the quarterback threw a kind of bad interception, I think had his, got caught with his hand in the cookie jar a little bit, trying to hit the wheel route down the sideline. Um, there were a maybe, lot of wheel routes in this game. Yeah, a lot there of wheel so routes many in the wheel game. Routes. Love it that. So right. I guess love that. But, um, but yeah, so, I mean, I understand what you're maybe trying to do, but uh, it was just, yeah, like, it's just disappointing um, when you can kind of see the flashes uh, of like some aggressive play calling and kind of see what that gets you in the game and then go back to the sort of, uh, issues I've always had with the Tony Elliott offensive experience being like a little bit like in the box thinking um, when you, when you don't need it to be, so, uh, you know, you would like to think that maybe you don't give up all the points, but that's right. They also did have a guy wide open on the last play of the game that, you know, that's, that was a touchdown. If he didn't overthrow him, that, that uh, little, little jolt of a uh, little jolt of adrenaline caused an overthrow probably. But, um, but yeah, so, I mean, these things it was it was a one point game right so anyhow we've talked about it for a while now but gosh uh, dude. i mean the the only thing more well i actually i don't think this would have been more devastating that that part that fourth down pass being completed would have been the most devastating and frankly that dude had like four steps on our cornerback oh he's running um, button wide so open. open but yeah. we almost when we went for two on the game winning touchdown yeah, we came about almost... two inches from throwing a pick six that would have given you a one point lead. Yes, yeah, I, I saw that as well. That would have been I, wild. I told Emily that I was like, "Ooh, man, that would have yeah. been hilarious. That would have been one of those. I don't know that it was a corner or a DB necessarily. If it would have been a linebacker, it would have been a I race a to the linebacker. pylon, though, uh, which would have been tremendous to see the so like, very, very real chance that someone could have run him down. But yeah, sure, but he also was, he was coming yeah. downhill so yeah. hard. It was a ten yard head start at least. So yeah. Yeah, he had it sniffed out, but yeah. anyhow, right. so. I mean, all in all, really good football game. Maybe not the prettiest, maybe not the most satisfying for anybody, uh, but a very for sure. good football game. I, and I realize I am not the only one saying this, I don't see any reason why these two teams shouldn't play a two-for-one pretty regularly, um, but I realize all of the cards are in uh, Lady Carla's hands in Charlottesville, so. But yeah, I, mean, I would I, 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 I would say I'd be in favor in general of more interesting games like this happening just for the good of uh, the game and the good of the Commonwealth and things like that. I don't think either teams have like anything to guard against re like national championship expectations for like not scheduling yeah. these games. So it's not like there's going to I mean they're clearly in the sort of second tier of, you know, teams like we're not, from, we're a scheduling, from a scheduling motivator standpoint, I'll say that. Yeah. Yeah, and I know like UVA tries to get at least one in-state non-conference game yeah. scheduled a year, but as a fan, I would much rather watch this game once every couple of years than like, oh, here comes William and Mary or Richmond again. We dropped Norfolk State again or something. And like no shade to either of those teams. Those teams have both beaten UVA within my adult lifetime, but um <laughs> It's more interesting for me to watch JMU and UVA play. Just a better football game and a better a better display of like there's five FBS football teams in the state and right at any given time at least four of them are probably gonna be pretty good. So like why not show that off? Um, yeah, indeed. I'm I'm in support of it. But fun gotcha. game, kind of terrifying. I was. Oh boy, I was struggling on the couch for it. I was very sick and okay. very pleasant that I was not able to go. I have a lot of friends there, uh, but fun. Glad, glad you pulled through. Um, speaking of teams that are pretty good, Arn played Cal late last night. I don't know if you guys caught any of this. This one looked really gross, super gross. I think Cal, I heard a stat, got across the 50-yard line like eight times and scored what seven points or three points the, the final score was what 14 to 10 or 14 to 7 or something like that so they did not evidently there were execution issues when they got down trying to get in auburn not exactly setting the world on fire themselves from a scoring points standpoint uh evidently I mean, you, you joke but at the start of the fourth i didn't watch a, 
a minute of this game, right? Passed out. Um, it was it was it was weird. It it had weird vibes early. At the start of the fourth quarter, Cal had a seventy one percent chance to win this game, which sure. is a wild thing to say out loud. Right. Um, evidently, Hugh Freeze was uh, doing some grousing during the week about the uh, how far Auburn had to travel for this game. Um, the farthest they've ever had to travel. It's the first time they've ever played in California or something like that. So, you know, good, poor, poor Auburn. Um, but they get out there and, and get it done in uh, in Berkeley. So good for them. Uh, SMU played Oklahoma. Uh, SMU got killed by Oklahoma. So I think that's all we need to it say about that one. It was close late, though. Did it, did it get close? Late-ish. Like, oh. tied at halftime within a score... I felt like I saw the score. Uh, this one was was I, I, my bad. I thought I, uh, I thought it was, it was like planned on this one being yeah, closer it was, than it was. Yeah, it was fourteen eleven in the fourth quarter. SMU oh. got it uh, within one. Okay, all right. Well, good for good for SMU then, I guess. USC Stanford was not close. Yeah, there we go. That is what was not close. That's the Caleb Williams you were thinking of. <laughs> Potentially true. Um, App State and UNC played another fun one. I was uh, tracking this one throughout the evening game uh, as I was trying to monitor the, how Florida was managing to, uh, to, to look improved and uh, watching the Alabama game. But uh, yeah, I mean, super fun. This, this one, a back and forth affair. We went into overtime. We had the dreaded two absolute carbon copy shanked kicks. Uh, by the kicker for UNC to go into overtime. Um, there, that was a game-winning field goal, very makeable. Pretty, pretty tough look. It's you know, it's bad when the kicker is like doing the thing where he's walking off the field and he's like, oh dang, like you know, like really trying to make it seem like he took it really hard. It's like, man, you, you're just gonna have to eat this one. You, you, you probably so shouldn't be. You probably, right now. yeah, you probably shouldn't be doing this like uh, this little charade. But um, did did you, Jason, were you watching this one? Uh, I turned it on, I think, right after the the uh, zero seconds left missed kick. Okay. So I saw all of the well, two overs. So they had the kick to win it, and App State called a timeout to freeze the kicker. Right. And they got the but snap he, off, and he got yeah. to practice kick, and he duck hooked it left. And they showed App State's coach, like, having a laugh, like, oh, man, like, yeah, you, right. you never get it right, right? You never get it right. And then he had the exact same miss, just like the worst <laughs> snap hook of a driver off the tee. Like, did not even smoke. catch the net. Like when you miss the net, you know, it's like the uh, the you hit a shot that goes out for a corner, it goes out for a throw in instead of a, a, a you know a goal kick. It's it's tough. That's a big miss. <laughs> yeah, big big. Miss. Big, but um, yeah, I mean, tough. I think maybe some of the takeaways here could be a little bit more along the lines of maybe we could adjust our expectations for what we. Th- see is um they really put south carolina around last week maybe this makes me think a little bit even less of south carolina (laughs) given at least their offensive line um uh, given sort of what unc was able to do because app was really able to move the ball in unc pretty good and um and and similarly i I think carolina is going to be able to move the ball on most people this year they seem to do a really good job mixing up the run in the past and and they have a great quarterback which always helps (laughs) yeah they're whoever their back was who is getting the load of the carries? I think he went over 200 yards yeah. rushing. Uh, Amari on Hampton is yeah, he was, he was running Amari. angry. It was mm. awesome. 26 Amari. carries for 234 yards and three touchdowns. It's a good day at the office. It is a good day. Doing that's that's the uh, the feed me. Get it in with the feed me. That's if right. you're eating like that. All right, El Asico was this weekend. Iowa took care of business. I I don't. Again. I think maybe we need to we, we need to keep an eye on Iowa State's situation uh, as they maybe decide what they want to be. Um, Matt Campbell. I'm not Matt saying the Campbell seat's getting Michigan State. Maybe there we go. Now we're talking. I, I'm not saying the seat's getting hot. I'm just. I'm, I'm not saying the seat's getting hot. I'm just saying that like maybe Matt Campbell and Iowa State should see different people. The time might be right. Right. There was a uh, there was a, a defensive touchdown affecting the contract stipulation, right? Yes, I think there was. Yeah. He, extremely good negotiating by the lawyer to get uh, defensive touchdowns to count. So we didn't have to do some sort of like painful double tracking of points uh, throughout the year. Does he have to clear 25? I forget what it is. 
Yeah, it's like the race to it's like 375 points or something, so it comes yeah. up to like 25 a game or something yeah, like that. Like so it's like race to 315 or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> so, uh, tough times. The dumbest sport in the world. It's, it's very silly. Um, when your dad is your boss and you have a contract, then that's, that's a clause where you're like you're gonna get fired if you don't you score 25 points a game. Yeah, you literally really do the weird. bare minimum you could possibly do in your job. <laughs> All right. Um, UCF at Boise. I caught a little, seen a little, I don't know. I was spread. You know, you know how it goes. College football. You're spread thin. You can't catch them all. Good for UCF. Go on the road. Boise doesn't lose at home a lot. I think Boise's again, just fine. And they've, they're 0-2, right? So, um, but I think that's a good win for UCF. And we'll see how they fare in Big 12 season. Cause I think Central, I think UCF's, Quarterback went down in this one. Mm. Oh no! Someone got hurt, but I don't know if it was John. Oh, Boise's quarterback did get hurt. I think. Is that what? I, okay, is that yeah. might have been what I saw. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I saw a quarterback went down, but yeah, he he got hurt and to, uh, UCS kicker with four field goals, including the game winner. A real Bama kicker performance. His, his name is also Colton Boomer, which is a great. Hell yeah. Name. <laughs> I, I do love that. <laughs> um, and we had Purdue at VPI. This was the longest game of the day. I think there was a, like, what, three-hour or something rain delay. I mean, it this was, game finished was, at like 6.30 or something and it started at noon. I think it was the longest rain delay in college football history, they said, which is a weird thing to track. But I think yeah, it got in, restarted at 6.15. Yeah, Jeez. I don't think it finished. I think I don't think it finished till late. Mm. Well, yeah, so Virginia, Virginia Tech went down at home. They did. To their credit, they got down. It was seven nothing at the rain delay. Uh, Purdue got out to a seventeen to nothing lead. Virginia Tech fought all the way back to tie it at seventeen. Purdue scored another touchdown, and that ended up being the final score of the game. So. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I think Virginia Tech is having real problems running the ball. Yeah. Okay. That's. Hmm. I thought I read this. Uh, Virginia Tech had 22 rushes and they gained 11 yards. Ooh. How many passes did they throw? 40. All right. So if you're Virginia Tech with that quarterback, I don't think you want to be throwing 40 passes. I'm just yeah. call me crazy. I but... mean, to be fair, I think Grant Wells looked okay. He was 16 for 33, so like not egregious, but. And to be fair, Grant Wells was seven rushes for minus 24, so should. Uh, so that gets him to 46. Yeah, so um, all told, that was 15 actual rushes for okay, 35 yards. Okay. Still not great. Now we're up when over two yards a pop. That's when, you're, yeah, when, you're, when you're sack dependent uh, or sack independent rushing yards is still right around two, that's not ideal. Yeah, um, yeah. I I think they struggled to run the ball, and I don't think they, I know that like they this is like one of the more talented wide receiver rooms they've had in like twelve years, which is not saying a lot. But I don't think they want to be throwing the ball that much, like you said, and I don't think they mm. want to only be running the ball fifteen or sixteen times in a game. Eddie Royal ain't looking through that door, you know what I'm saying? Well, that's a tough spot to be in, though. If like you have all these toys at wide receiver, yeah. but you don't have a great point guard to get the ball around or you're like, well, we got to throw it to keep these guys happy and engaged, but it's also not working. But the other side of the offense isn't working either. So yeah, I guess we just got to play Beamer ball and block punts. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe the solution there is you got to be creative and work with what you got. Maybe you got to spread it out, do the, do the thing that Virginia tech probably doesn't want to do and, and throw it a ton. And, uh, Go air raid, hokey raid, hokey air hokey. Who, who's to say? Turkey, turkey raid. <laughs> turkey, turkey. Ooh, see, I don't hate that. Yeah. No, don't, don't make, don't make me love you now. If, if they, <laughs> if they unveiled the turkey raid offense at some point in the future, I'm, I might have to, I'd be in. So, just, <laughs> uh, okay, all right. Well, that's it. Um, Florida played McNeese. If you guys care, really tidy. Performance Did they get the, the clean sheet? They did not. The um, oh. the charity. Uh, well, it was actually. I think it's this backup guy that transferred from Ohio State. Like, is always hurt. So they put in 
this freshman who is the backup quarterback and he looked okay, but there was a McNeese state like down to punt at the one yard line. And then uh, I think Florida either threw a pick or there was a fumble that got recovered, like sort of in the mouth of the end zone. So I think McNeese punched one in right at the bitter end there, but um, yeah, Florida was able to empty the bench, uh, the charity walk-ons some time, um, which was great. seemed like a, a good move, a very clean performance. McNeese doesn't appear to be very good at all. Uh, I don't, doesn't appear that they have, uh, they have the juice, <laughs> so to speak, but kids, as we say, um, Graham Mertz looked good though. He's, he is big time, big time check down Charlie, which I don't think is terrible. Um, he's, I mean, you could maybe phrase that as big time takes what the defense gives him Charlie, but, uh, knows the playbook cause he knows, knows the, where his check yes, downs are exactly. But they did a really good job. Florida did like an extremely good job of doing the stay ahead of the sticks thing. And, um, was like extremely methodical and didn't have any big errors, which I thought was uh, good to see. They did hit one deep shot eventually in the game. You can definitely tell Florida's like really just trying to set up production, but ran for like over, almost 400 they ran for like close to 400 yards i think so it was it was a uh it was a, a bruising effort montreal johnston had like 120 and um etienne had uh, uh close to like 80 or 100 or something too so yeah things went well there so go gators but um all right jordan you want to take us to pickville sure let's do it five games against the spread we will run down the records very briefly <laughs> Jason took the crown in week two, going an astounding three, two, and zero. Logan and I brought up the rear at two, three, and zero. So there's more green cells on the spreadsheet for the boys this week. A little better look. We're trending. We are, We're trending. We're crawling back into form. Um, we'll start with the nooner in, well, halfway in the ACC. Notre Dame at NC State. Um, Three quarters. This one also featured a weather delay. Um, yeah, Notre Dame handled business. Sam Hartman threw some more tuds. I saw he is now 10th all time in college football passing touchdowns career. Wow. Which the claw fence will do it like, for you. Yeah, the claw fence plus playing NC State and whoever Notre Dame plays. You just get to sling that puppy around the yard. Um, the beard looks great again. Um, Extremely handsome. He continues yeah. to, to wear the handsome Sam moniker with, with pride, which is good. Yeah, hasn't let us down. But, uh, yeah, I don't really have anything from this. Saw some highlights. Didn't look yeah. like a particular Didn't watch anything. Watch. The, biggest, the biggest takeaway I got is that NC State's brand new video board got struck by lightning and shut down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was a bad – that that seemed to be not great. Hope they got the um, Apple Care package. Notre uh, Dame like kind of ran away with this one at the end because it was it was a one score game in the third quarter. And I uh, told you guys locations. I'd have to load up on Notre Dame because Doctor Bob's not going to be interested much past the uh, anticipated end time of the game. Right. To begin with, so. It was like oddly triggering to see Brennan Armstrong's like weird left-handed delivery like in a different uniform. It's it's so it's so like signature yeah. his motion that it was kind of like oh this is funny like I recognize I I picked that out of a lineup anywhere but um, yeah I mean NC State what are you gonna do I, I don't I don't NC State has never moved me uh, you know so I, I I think they're fine though and from a talent standpoint it's like. Notre Dame looks good. I mean, they've kind yeah. of they've they pulled away. They've had some good performances. I mean, I don't think you can take too much from their first two games. I think Navy is really bad, but um, I don't know. I think this might be like uh, and just kind of like looking around at the landscape, this might not be a bad year to be Notre Dame. That's all I'm saying. Look, yeah, look I think it should be encouraging too that their offense looks to not really have missed a beat, despite losing their play caller in the offseason. Yes. Who is calling the plays there now? Is it a guy that got promoted from with? Don't know. Hmm. Sam Hartman might be calling the plays for all we know. He just winks. And the offensive coordinator is Jared Parker. <laughs> I will give you $5 if you can tell me how Jared is spelled. Yeah, I have to absolve myself. J-E-R-R-O-D. 
Wow, wow. I mean, not not bad. <laughs> you, you looked it up, Logan? I, I, yeah, I, I had I just came up when you said that, and I had the same thought. Like, wow, there's an aggressive spelling. Yeah. Jared or Gerard, or I think it's Jared. Gerard. Oh, it could be Gerard. G-E-R-A-D. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. So, kudos. I like an interesting name. My last name's 80% consonants, so no judgment. <laughs> Keith yeah. Crude over here. He's getting, getting a little chesty with the pronunciations. <laughs> All right. Our, uh, our other nooner was in Boulder, Colorado. Nebraska went to take on the Buffaloes, the hottest show in town on turf in the country, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I was on Nebraska here, felt good about it going into it, had them in several teasers yesterday as well. Um, Colorado looked good. Like, I, I'm ready. I'm ready to make, I'm ready. make some I'm bad ready. decisions on, <laughs> on the Colorado side of the coin. Uh, they whooped Nebraska's butt after, like, two-ish quarters of kind of a pillow fight and feeling each other out and not really being able to put offensive series together for either team. Um, Colorado got some guys open. Shador Sanders has a laser of an arm. Like, got, yeah. He, he throws fastballs, but he can also put touch on the ball. It's really impressive. Um, I was also offense really is, impressed by good. offense is really yeah. good. Like it's a well-designed when, when plays break down, when protection breaks down, he evades protection, but he's always doing it still with the intent to throw. Cause he knows yeah. I've got guys back there who are faster than your guys and they're going to get open and I can get more yards that way. Um, he's got 900 passing yards through two games. So. Yeah, mm. he's he's really good. And I, I fully agree. I, I saw a little bit of this during our rain delay and during our halftime, and then I went back to watch the, the rest of highlights and stuff like that. It's just such a fun offense to watch. Like, he does such a – we talked about this last week, but he does such a good job of getting those guys into space and, like, just being like, no, you don't have five guys that are as good as my five guys. Um, and, and, yeah – you have to credit Sanders drives that boat very well, and like they don't they don't like run the ball particularly well. It's like again, it, no. we were just talking about sort of like you know That's... maybe Virginia Tech stubbornly kind of sticking to their game plan when like their game plan isn't good. Like Colorado, I mean, and I'm sure it's part of their game plan to not run a ton, but they have a light offensive line. They don't run it very well, and they don't like need to uh, because of. Uh, sort of how they have it schemed up, how they got guys open, how they've like the ball to the flat so well. Um, Sanders holds onto the ball for a long time. I, I he he's on the verge of we'll see when they get like maybe around a faster defense uh, if if some of those windows tighten up a little bit. But I mean I, I I'm hard pressed to think that he's gonna struggle a lot. I mean he's he's a he's a dude for sure. So and yeah Travis you mentioned Hunter played. Travis Hunter played another like 120 snaps. So awesome. That's good. That's that's gonna that's certainly gonna go gonna gonna end well for them. So. Yeah, you mentioned they have a light offensive line. I forget who it was on Twitter, but they nailed it because like that O line plays well, and sure. for having as many transfers and just kind of cobbled together as their units are, like they give Sanders all the time in the world to let guys get go get open, let plays develop. And that's not something you could have really predicted heading into this season. So that unit especially is doing a really good job um, of what they're asked to do. Game number three, Ole Miss at Tulane. This was a fun one. Yeah, it got kind of weird. Got weird. We had, uh, we had Lane, you know, swinging fist pumps. At the end, uh, on a, on a deep field goal, we had a pick six stifle the attempt at the backdoor cover. Yes, um, yes, we did. That was nice. I need we it. had a gorgeous. It could not have been timed more poorly for me saying. Right? Yeah, it should be noted. Uh, Jason got very excited for the backdoor cover in the group text immediately before. 
the pick six. <laughs> the, pick, the pick six happened. Yeah, that was that was tough. Snapped the ball for the pick six. Yep. Okay. Never mind. I mean, I think what so Ole Miss was up seven, and uh, they were like at midfield, and they walked they walked out their kicker for like a a fifty six yard field goal, and I think his career long was they said it was like forty two. I mean, this is, this is this was like a much longer kick than he had ever made in his career, and you know, no fault of his. He's not out here kicking. You know, you don't have get the opportunity to kick a 59 yarder every day um maybe it was that nice turf in Tulane. the ball was sitting up good for him but he he preferred lies he peered it and uh um and made the kick and the the lane was like full on like i I thought we were gonna get some crotch chops or something he was so (laughs) butt-sized and then i mean and and Tulane then immediately just goes right back to work and um yeah this is one of those ones where it was like they won by 17 but like this was a very much a close back and forth game until yeah, Tulane could have easily won this game. Yeah, shenanigans at the end. Um, Ole Miss looked, I mean, they, they, they seem like they've been a little, I would say a little choppy in my mind. Um, certainly committed to running the ball and uh, they got the running backs to do it, which works out pretty well for them. But I don't know. Jackson Dart through like Mr. Dart. He looks doing. good. The, the, the interception he threw, I don't know if you saw it, Jordan, but was it such a confident just strike into the middle of the of the DB's chest? Like, just like nowhere it. near the receiver and like just drilled the guy who caught it on the run. So that one was kind of like, ooh, didn't love that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, again, uh, seeing surveying the landscape, this is a good win for Ole Miss on the road. Their defense, I think, showed some things um, against a pretty good offense, granted, um, Michael, don't call me Spencer Pratt, didn't play uh, for, for Tulane. But, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is good, but I, I, why not Ole Miss in the SEC West, given we've seen out of uh, every SEC West team at this point, <laughs> right? It's, yeah, I think the weirder it gets, the more it plays into the hands, for sure. Could, could be awesome. So, um, but hotty toddy, am I right? Yeah. Uh, our other 330 game was Texas A&M traveling to the hard to take on the U. Uh, Miami put it on the Aggies. I They I got them up out of there. Yeah. I, I am surprised at how well Miami has in, essentially like has like reverted their offense to uh, uh, Jordan, who is, who's your boy, the offensive play caller, Rhett Lashley, like yeah. type, type offense that they rode to pretty good success two years ago where Van Dyke well, looked so really they good. They made the comment in the broadcast that I was also surprised by um, where when Cristobal was, you know, interviewing candidates for the OC job, he involved Tyler Van Dyke in the hiring process essentially, and like let him have some say so in who the next pick would be. And they mentioned that uh, this guy they hired has a lot of similarities to the Lashley kind of system um which Van yeah was he was the oc at houston he's a dana holgerson guy okay so so yeah so you get some sort of spread to run spread to fling it all over not not afraid probably to get into a shootout miami does look like they'd be down to get into a shootout this year um they do a, again they do a really good job getting the ball to their playmakers uh got to hand it to them you do you do in fact got to hand it to them on that um texas a&m i was kind of, I guess I would say, disappointed in um, the defense. Uh, the defensive front, yeah. you would think a lot more seasoned and talented than this current Miami front, at least from a seasoning standpoint. I think Miami's added some transfers and has added certainly some five-star recruits on the line of scrimmage uh, on the offensive side for sure. Um, but, I mean, you know, that's not – shouldn't be enough to close the gap that much. And uh, they really had a good game plan for Texas A&M and took it to them, scored – all the points he needed. Yeah. I, I'm not convinced on Miami's defense. I just want to say that I think that they are down to give up some points. And some of that might be circumstantial based on how fast their offense has been scoring. But um, they, I mean, Wigman, Wigman and them boys moved it on them pretty good throughout the night. Yeah. So I think looking back, like I picked AM to win this, but I think it kind of makes sense that Miami's defense was fine here because they have really good athletes and I think their defense and a lot of college defenses are best when they can just kind of do things in one direction and do like 
simple tasks. And I don't think Texas off Texas A&M's <laughs> offensive philosophy is necessarily complex enough to like take take advantage of that aggression and use it against Miami. Sure. That could I think they're kind of a vanilla. I think Texas A&M's kind of a vanilla yogurt offense, and that plays right into the hands of. Yeah, I wonder if that'll change throughout the year as Petrino either is given or it is removed more of as the play they open up more of the playbook and get more sure. comfortable in the system maybe but like i think for miami playing them in week two was the time to play them rather than week 10. yeah that's probably true good point so all right but final I mean, game of the yeah, evening. yeah I, I just real quick just like miami in my mind ahead of schedule i think they're yeah like very much like in it and um I'm not saying that they're as good as Florida State because I think Florida State's clearly the cream of the crop in the ACC, but Miami's right, right there in, in that next group, um, and I would say the schedule. So go ahead. Yeah, uh, final game of the night was the granddaddy of them all, the game of the century, <laughs> Texas at Bama. We had McConaughey on the sideline. Um, all sorts of notables. Uh, A.J. McCarron was on the sideline, I saw. Ooh, um, extremely rocking, notable. Rocking a pencil-y goatee in true Alabama fashion. Um, <laughs> Texas got the job done. But yeah. I, like, watching this, and especially kind of the middle two quarters, Alabama could have easily won that game. And I don't think the final score is indicative necessarily of how close Alabama was, but I do think it's a good indication of how well Texas played, if that makes any sense. I think that I think that's mostly fair. Um, I, I do think that it like I mean, it kind of felt like uh, that's not a good way of putting it. Never mind. I forget what I was going to say, but um, I do think if you watched the film and like it was all gray jerseys and you couldn't tell who was who, like Texas was just flat out better than Alabama last night. They were. Um, like, like, and it was, like, weird the way they, like, because Alabama's lost some games, that, you know, where teams just make it as crazy as possible, and they, you know, stuff gets chaotic and going all the way back to, like, Manziel and all that stuff. Um, it's not often that, like, Alabama got straight up beat in Texas. Um, and yes. for all of, for all of Jaden Milrose, Jalen Milrose, you know, they have, they have a concern at quarterback. But that dude had people in his face the entire night, and that yeah. is not very common. And, and they didn't run the I ball thought, well either. I, yeah, and I thought Quinn Ewers played awesome, but he had a very clean jersey towards the end of that game. And that yep. those are two things that never happen against Alabama in Bryant-Denny. I think I saw their last non-conference home loss was their loss to ULM way back in 07, yeah. which is crazy. Um, but so, I mean, I think, you know, that that's as – that's important for Texas. And I think, you know, there's a lot of people that are like, oh man, the Alabama dynasty is dead. And that seems drastic. If we can say Texas is back after only one win, because I don't know that we can say Alabama's gone after one loss, but um, I, don't, I don't know. It, it was it was very weird to me, like watching that game. I was like, Texas is kind of, kind of bossing Alabama at points where Alabama has always bossed people. And that to me yeah. was, was remarkable to see it, and I do. I do think Alabama could have won this game, but I think, I, I think Texas was a touchdown better than them last night, which is a, a very impressive thing for Texas. Yeah, I think the things that stuck in my craw were Alabama had two touchdowns they scored that got called back due to penalties, and I think they ended up with three or six points instead of fourteen in on those drives. Texas also converted potentially one of the weirdest fourth downs you will ever see with a fumbled snap yeah. that the quarterback never possessed. So the running back was did. able to advance right. it beyond the line to gain. Um, if they get a stop there or if the quarterback even just possesses the snap, it's Alabama's ball close to midfield going the other way in a one score game. Um, yep. But yeah, you, you do have to credit Texas. They both played better and got better breaks than Alabama. Yeah, uh, that's 
pretty much well said all around. I think Alabama's it's it's pretty clear that they just don't have like a dude at quarterback um, just yet. Milrow's got a lot of raw skills um, and there's a wonderful deep ball. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. But they, you know, they probably need to be able to run the game, run the ball a little bit for him to be more successful and not just running around for his life. And then, yeah, that left tackle got beat up all night. I mean, he that, apparently they're starting a freshman tackle, um, which is wild at Alabama that you're starting a true freshman at left tackle, but you're doing it. I'm sure he's extremely talented. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, he was, he was taking it on the chin most of the evening and making Milrow's life, uh, difficult. So that was a surprise. And, and just quickly getting to the, like the end of the Alabama dynasty thing. Like, I don't think this is indicative of the end of the dynasty. Maybe it's indicative of like a little bit more like parody. Like, I think it might be indicative of, of a little bit of decay, um, in like Alabama sort of like just ability to out talent everybody all the time um that was always kind of the thing was like you could never kill them and you know i I think back when florida played them in the sec championship game a couple years ago the trask the trask team right like florida's in that game at the end but like you know it's a herculean effort just to be in the game against teams that are that talented right and um and that doesn't appear to be the case alabama anymore and i haven't seen georgia play yet this year um but i'm curious if we're gonna see like some more teams that are like, I guess more able to be in the game more regularly with some of these teams. So I, the only thing I would add is that Tommy Reese got some guys really open that mm-hmm. either dropped the ball yeah. or Milro just missed. Yeah. And I think Milro also like, he's got some touch to add to his throws because he only has one speed on his ball and it is hard. Right. <laughs> and I'm sure in that environment being chased around all night, it's a little difficult to probably like feel the game like that. Um, but sure. But yeah, got to do it. Sark called it a, also, a pretty, pretty good game. Just, you yes. know, that, that guy can, when he, when he gets it cooking, he can call some plays. So. Shouts out to Quinn Ewers who threw the highest deep balls we're seeing in college. <laughs> and like, Brought two of them right down the chimney, right where they needed to be. They were- well, and the catches were incredible too, because yeah, they were- they're going straight Willie Mays over the shoulder. Yeah, and there, there was to launch that thing when the when you see the camera have to like try to zoom, like start to zoom out because they're like, oh, I don't know, we don't have this thing anymore. And yeah, yeah, loved loved it. I thought Quinn Ewers played really well. Yeah, yeah, sure. He looks good. So you think Quinn Ewers is the guy that a guy that will. I mean, I saw that like Mel Kuyper has him like six on the big board, like six best QB or sixth overall, like number six overall. I think hmm. that seems that seems high, but I don't know. Maybe I've I've limited. Uh, Does he get to play for Sark in the NFL? Ooh, I don't know. Who's to say? Um. Also, Sark doesn't seem like like he'd be a great hang. Uh, wasn't Sark too much of a good hang? Wasn't that the whole problem? So, yes. I mean, I don't know. I don't know that I don't know that we want to sum up his problems as being too good of a hang. Um, but I that was me, that was me overly. Yeah, yeah, yeah was, I, I know. I, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Um, I, I mean, listen, I'm not out here saying that like Nick Saban's a good hang, but like, I don't know. I feel like I've seen Nick Saban like doing a backflip off of a pontoon boat at his lake house, and I just Sark Sark just. Maybe it was just that video of him yelling at that dude for the bowl game last year um, for, for touching him or something like that. But every, mm. ever since then, like every interaction on the sideline just seems kind of he seems just like a little bit snippy. And yeah, I don't know. Not the most personal bowl. Yeah, personal which seems like you would think a, a Texas man would need to be a little bit better with the uh, with the, the, the media and, and whatnot. You know, I'm not saying you got to grab people by the neck and, you know, talk to them. But like Mac Brown, um, like like notable Texas man Mac Brown, but um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm keeping my eye on things there with Sark. Things keep going well for him. We're gonna get more opportunities. I'm looking forward to a day game too to see what sunglasses he pulls off. I do, I do want to get yes. that out there just for the record because those glasses he was wearing last year still live with me as some of the worst things I've ever seen, and it's just terrible, <laughs> unbelievable that Nike and the greater good did that to him, but. Um, but you know, maybe he's just too deep in, in, in Colin place. He might be one of those guys who just likes 
loves team gear and team color. It could be true. <laughs> it could be not true. want to deviate from the scheme. Burn orange. I love just everything. Any sort yeah. of burn orange accent on anything I have. He he drives like the blacked out, you know, uh, Tahoe with burn orange, burn orange little leather Chevy interior. thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh gosh, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> That's gonna be Jordan. What Jordan rents tries to rent next time he goes to Vegas. Hello, do you have the Sark package yeah, on uh... I like the uh, Chrysler Pacifica <laughs> Limited with the Sark interior? <laughs> Please and thank you. Uh, <clears throat> all right, so pretty good week too. Must say, had a good yeah. time. Yeah, you guys got any any feel for the college football season at this point? Any anything that's standing out to you other than the Colorado is way more fun than I think we were maybe planning or wanting them to be? Uh, I would say, like, I'm excited to see Georgia play an adequate team at some point, so we can when when's that going to happen? More about them, I don't know. Yeah, but I'm excited to see it. Uh, yes. Also, rankings yeah. right now still don't mean anything. So, That's boys crazy. and girls, please. And see, Alabama is still number one in the FPI. Did you see that? The ESPN's FPI I think, algorithm? I think somebody uh, fudged with that. I think. Oh, really? I, I think somebody took a picture of it before and then was like, uh, look at this stuff. Because uh, I don't think it updates immediately. I think someone took a picture of it Saturday night. And it said, last updated, like, September 10th, like, 8 a.m. or something like that. I don't know. But... It could. I could be wrong. I have no idea. Yeah, I think so, somebody fudged with that on the twitters. But fair enough. So I got got. I got butt cracked. It'll. It'll. It comes for us all. Um, Jordan, just FYI, uh, upcoming for Georgia, we have South Carolina, who they historically have weird issues with. Um, Is this a home or away game for Georgia? It, it appears to be a home game, of course. Okay. Uh, for Georgia. Yo, wait, 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 wait. All but Shane Beamer's returning home. That's that's an interesting story. <laughs> to one of his one of his many homes. Uh, yes. So <laughs> he's always been a Charleston. I wonder guy. if they'll do a pregame video montage of Georgia's special teams during the Beamer area. <laughs> um, Welcome then, then home, we have Shane. UAB at Georgia. Yawn. Is Georgia playing four straight home games to start the year? Probably. Jeez. Then they play Auburn. At Auburn, the Plains. Then they, it looks like they are home with Kentucky. They play Vanderbilt on the road. That's going to be the funniest one because Vanderbilt has a a, attend- or a, a capacity of like 26,000 right now because of construction. Right. right. Uh, George, then they play Florida. They have a weird, they got Missouri. All right. So at the end of the season, they have, they finished their season, it looks like at. Nope, nope. They play Ole Miss at home, and they go to and they go to Tennessee. Yes, so and then they have to then they have to go to Georgia Tech. I mean, come on now, come on. So, so I mean, if you want to count Auburn as adequate, I guess you can. Kentucky is usually a tough out, and that you know if they're tough, um, maybe Florida will have ironed a couple things out by then and won't lose by forty. But this schedule for Georgia this year is would appear to be. Very advantageous for them to be breaking in a new quarterback and, you know, maybe figuring some things out and a new offensive coordinator and stuff. So, um, but yeah, I'm with you, Jordan. I, I think I, I kind of agree, like, largely across the board. I'm, I'm very intrigued by USC as well. They look like on offense, they <laughs> will never not score a touchdown. And that first it's, half last night was nuts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Caleb Williams just, just running around, just he be doing stuff um, like to the greatest degree. He is one of the more fun quarterbacks I can recall uh, in recent memory. I mean, you had your, you know, you had your prototypical NFL guys like your Trevor Lawrence's and your Andrew Lux. Um, Caleb Williams is just like a lot of fun and you could tell that he's going to be awesome in the NFL too. Right. So that's, that's kind of rare. Um, so I think I'm curious to see if USC can like keep it on the rails <laughs> enough you know, probably patching together on defense to either make it to the playoff or make it to the Pac-12 championship game. And like with a shot to go to the playoff, I think that'd be cool. Yeah. Um, Jason, do you have anything that's, you just want to get off your chest re early college football? Not really. It's, it's, it's fun so far. It's good. The things are good. Uh, how are you, how are you feeling 
like looking forward now with potentially some more open open Saturday viewing windows? Uh, I'm very excited. I'm, I, yeah. I will get to view more college football this year than mm. I have in, gosh, a decade. So uh, very, very excited. We're, we are very excited for me. Um, <laughs> so are we. But uh, yeah, it should be fun. I look Good. forward to, to not coming, you know, back from the press box to 25 texts between you two and the group text. It's just, it's just random, well, random, we like, like, we like you to feel included, Jason. I, yeah. I always appreciate the text. I hate not understanding a freaking word at yeah, like right. 2.30 on a Saturday. For the, for the, you know, for the record, like half of them involve like Jordan and I giving detailed analysis of like what a Perkinson looks like, not, sure. not actual like football. It's like, oh man, have you guys got a load Very of the sweater vest on the Ball State coach? Because my God, this guy. Oh, <laughs> speaking of which. Uh, <laughs> yes. Maryland played Charlotte last night. Mm. And I don't know if it was Charlotte's head coach. Oh, Biff. Yeah. Biff. Biff yes. was rocking a like mow my grass cut off t-shirt with like a cut, yeah. a cut V-neck in, in the chest. It wasn't, it was like. He's a big boy ripped. too, right? Yeah. He's, he's, yeah. he's a big boy. Biff, Biff Poggy or Biff Poggy or whatever. Yeah, he was like the was Michigan outrageous. like special liaison to high schools or something. He was like like longtime Michigan staffer was like his only thing that he had done, and evidently he's the man for uh, the job. Not long time. Oh, he, not long time. No, he was Michigan associate head coach for like two years under Harbaugh. Oh. I thought he was like a like a college football industry guy, like not he, like he, necessarily he a, a coach. lot of time uh, at. Uh, various like academies and stuff, but it was in Baltimore. Oh, like, he, he okay. Prep school in Baltimore. Mm, so he's close yeah. with John Harbaugh. That's right. You're right. Probably, yeah. Interesting. Uh, well, but yeah, he's a funny. I do love that. I think he. I believe he's also the guy that at uh, AAC Media Days he was like three questions. That's all you got for me, or something. Maybe that's because you picked us last. And... Skidding. The man is a character, and yes, he coaches in a. Coaches in a cutoff. It was a game, a game performance by Charlotte against Maryland, though, right? I heard they were oh, they yeah, stayed they, in it. it looked frisky, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and land this plane, and we'll we'll take off again midweek. Ready, yeah. ready to add some more green to the board. Okay. All right. Thanks for joining us. It's the Wheel Route Podcast. You know what it is. We are on Instagram, Wheel Route Podcast, Wheel Route Podcast at gmail.com. Send us an email. Thewheelroute.com is the website. You can go there. You can stream the show. You can, I think you can see the pics, right? Mm -hmm. Is that still is that still happening? You can see the pics on there so you can check our work. Um and uh yeah, thank you for listening. Talk to you soon. Go Gators. Go who's Go Dukes.